Just pause for a moment of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day, the day that you've set aside for us, a day of rest, Heavenly Father, where we can in peace come before and sit here in your sanctuary and learn about you. And Heavenly Father, the song, I love to tell the story, Heavenly Father. You have given me privilege. I ask that you put your words in my mouth, not my own. Thank you, Lord. In your Son's name, Jesus Christ, amen. It was a good Bible study this morning. Good Bible study. And you know, the Lord has his ways. He works in wondrous ways. And it's sort of a, this is sort of a, uh, an addition to what was discussed this morning. And it's funny how that happens. What shall we choose? This is the study. I'm going to tell a little story about two individuals, two sisters. One's name is the truth. The other's name is, guess what? The lie. Well, anyway, these two young ladies, they were uh, one day walking down the path of knowledge, talking about which one of them might be the better ideal. The lie said to Sister Truth, you know, everyone has a big problem with you. Truth said, how so? How so? Well, the lie said, you are not the politest person to be around. In fact, when it comes to describing you, I have heard the words obnoxious, judgmental, overbearing, and opinionated. Sometimes, you know, it is better not to say anything at all, so you don't offend. You know, just go along to get along. That's how I roll. Time and time again, truth told My words have been manipulated to make them, as they say, more convenient. Or I've become an alternate truth. But people always come out the better in the end for telling the simple truth. In fact, Dr. King stated once in a speech, truth, when pressed into the ground, will one day be raised up. So you see, my sister, said truth, I cannot be hidden away forever. What do you think? Putting off her sister's question, Lie pointed to a pool of water. Oh, look over there, Truth. It is that inviting pool of water I told you about. It's always warm and cozy in there, and it's secluded, too. What do you say we take off our clothes and get in for a swim? Being very wary of Lie's suggestion, Truth suspiciously tested the water, but found it to be very nice indeed. Okay, Truth said. But I haven't got all day. There are places I need to be and people I need to help. Lie suggestively smiled and jumped into the water. Come on in, Truth. Don't be shy. Take off your clothes and just jump right in. The Truth was now naked and got in the pool. Lie smirked at her sister. And Truth suddenly became very afraid. At that moment... Lie leapt from the pool, 
grabbed Truth's clothes, and ran off. Truth was furious, realizing that she had been tricked by lie. Truth now stood up as the naked truth. She chased after the lie to make things right. Though as the race proceeded, all those seeing the naked truth were offended, and they scoffed. We don't like seeing the naked truth. And they condemned her. Rejected, Truth was sorry she had ever cared about those who needed to hear the truth. Truth sadly disappeared back into the warm water of seclusion, far from the maddening crowd. The world appears to be very happy without truth. The lie, how elegant in her attire, puffed up, appearing as truth. The lie has become the new normal and the most convenient ideal for the world. The lie will race around the world several times and live, leave Sister Truth sitting at the starting gate. The great enemy, JFK, in a speech, June 11th, 62, the great enemy of truth is not often the lie, which is deliberate, contrived, and dishonest, but the myth, persistent, persuasive, and unrealistic. We enjoy the comfort of opinion without the discomfort of thought. Get that? You can't think for yourself. You're always relying on someone else's answer, someone else's opinion. Imagine yourself in the maddening crowd watching the trial of Jesus as Pilate presents the broken, half-naked, bloodied man to the people. Pilate relates to the crowd. He says, the truth is, I find nothing wrong with this man. I cannot find fault with the one who is called king of the Jews. He is not our king. The Pharisees shouted out an alternate, convenient truth, would you not say? We have but one king, and that is Caesar in Rome. Crucify him. Throughout the crowd could be heard a question. Isn't this the man who performed miracles and healed everyone he touched? Then suggestive Seeds of doubt were whispered, crucify him, crucify him. The evil lies entered into those who had already witnessed the truth of Christ's heavenly work. But here Jesus stands before all, the same man to whom they cried out in Matthew 21.9, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna In the highest. But now they see the naked truth. And yet still they shout. Crucify him. We sit here today. And the truth be told we have passed a historical milestone in Christianity. We are well beyond the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Not all the names I will mention today are martyrs. But all were indeed reformists. And Jesus Christ was the greatest teacher 
and reformer. His purest message of religious liberty over subjugation, tyranny, and the silencing of religious freedom was the call for all to speak out in boldness, and some did. The Waldenses, the Vatuous Christians, Wycliffe, Huss, Jerome, and Luther, who nailed the 95 Thesis on the chapel door at Wittenberg. And also there is Zwingli at Zurich, Switzerland, and he wrote about the accomplishments of the Reformation at that point in time. And he said, peace has her habitation in our town. There's no quarrel, no hypocrisy, no envy, no strife. Where can such union come from but from the Lord? And our doctrine, which fills us with fruits of peace and piety, where can they come from but from the Lord? Where today can we find such an achievement? That's what I thought. Nowhere. Nowhere. Maybe it's back there in that warm, secluded water with truth. Maybe that's where it can be found. There was also Calvin, Wesley, Knox, Menno Simons, and many more. We are reformers sitting here today. And we're also searching for the peace and piety that Zwingli described so long ago and stated that can only be found within the scriptures of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The worldly influences cannot satisfy the longing that stirs within our hearts. For that will only be found in God's true kingdom. We know the truth, my friends, and this world just isn't it. Is it? Everything that I will touch upon today is based on historical fact and the principles and teachings of Jesus Christ. Understand that I bear no malice or evil thought towards anyone on this planet living or dead today. It is my master and savior Jesus, as Jesus said, I have sheep in many pastures. John 10, 16. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also must I bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. There are good Christians everywhere carrying on in the light they have been given. And I talk about my grandmother a lot, okay? Uh, Back in 1962, I was just a young lad. Let me see. How old was I then? Hmm. Twelve years old. Woo! That's going back there. Twelve years old. And my dear grandmother, Bessie was her name, said to her then 12-year-old son, that being me, or grandson, that being me, And I was totally clueless clueless about what she was talking about. Maybe I'm still clueless today. Note that she and her ancestry were from the Austrian Switzerland area. And she was very well versed in the Bible. She, in fact, had a high German Bible 
And it was a Martin Luther edition. Yeah, I have it somewhere in my house. I don't know where it is. I've tried looking for it. Couldn't find it, but it's there. The printing of that Bible was what Martin Luther made possible and was what he was condemned by the Catholic system for so doing. Can you imagine that? My grandmother was very aware about the history of the Reformation. She says, this is why our family and many others came to America. In order to escape the persecution of the Catholic system, the mother church, if you will. Prophecy fulfilled. Revelation 13, 11 to 12. And I beheld another beast, America, coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb. And he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast, the papacy, before him, and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, papacy, whose deadly wound would be healed. Hmm. Spoke about that this morning, didn't we? Whose deadly wound would be healed. And she says, Larry, I want you to remember two things. Number one, we do not worship on the correct day. Imagine that. Daniel 7.25 And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to do what? Change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. Spoke about that this morning, too, didn't we? How many years was that? 1,260. Was Granny telling me something? And the second thing she said. The Catholic system is the beast. Notice that she did not say the people within the Catholic Church. She said what? The system of things. Daniel 7, 8. I considered the horns and behold there came up among them another little horn. That being what? The papacy before whom... There were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. And also Daniel eight, twenty-four and 25. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper and practice, and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper within his hands and he shall magnify himself in his heart not by gods and by peace shall destroy many because he's trying to propagate peace he shall also stand up against the prince of princes that being who jesus but he shall be broken without hand 
I know that's going quickly over it, but you all sitting here are Adventists, so you know, don't you? You know. Today we will also discuss the history of the Reformation and what Scripture tells us about why it is important to finish the work started so long ago. Those words that were so carefully, divinely inspired by God to be written down by the prophets is what holds us in a continual battle of controversy today. It started with the degradation, degradation of the Lord's truth by the Romanist system. The reformists fought through the Dark Ages, that time of spiritual darkness and spiritual slavery that went along with it. They gave their lives. They gave their time for this mission. They were hunted down to be silenced, but they prevailed. Proof of their victory is why we sit here today within religious freedom. And we wonder, how long will this last? Hmm? Spoke about that in Bible class. It was a very good Bible class. Opened a lot of giving mental things to think about. Because it's not going to last. They were the small voices crying out in the wilderness. Isaiah 43. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness... Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That's what we're supposed to be doing right today, just as John the Baptist did. We're supposed to be telling people about what's happening, about what's going on. I look at our world at times as a starving desert of humanity. Without understanding, it's void of love, where no good can flower and grow. We need the living water here and now. We need the seeds of truth and the life planted around us in order for love, understanding, and salvation to take hold in the rocky ground and bear fruit. We are the planters of the seeds that need to be propagated. Truth and life, being our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to tell people. We need to go out. Jesus said in John fifteen twenty five, But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without cause. And the prophecy, Psalm 35, 19, that he was talking about. Let not them that are mine enemies wrongfully rejoice over me, neither let them wink with the eye that hate me without a cause. This is what Christ was talking about. It's a prophecy about what was happening to him. And you see, That is what will happen to us. They will hate us without cause. Again, the world hates the truth found in Christ's words. They find them inconvenient. Jesus' message of peace, love, and salvation for all mankind. People of the world find no purchase in it because in their hearts there is no understanding 
or need of such trivial baggage. I'm going to read from E.G. White, Great Controversy, around page 189, a historical snippet from the life of Martin Luther. It is concerning his return to Wittenberg to clarify the parallel of the Lutheran doctrine based upon Luther's understanding of the life of Jesus Christ. Luther had taken a hiatus from the grueling task he had undertaken only to have a shroud of mystery and evil cloak and corrupt his teachings. And I'm going to go back here quickly to page 188. In the work of reform, Luther had been urged forward by the Spirit of God and had been carried beyond himself. He had not purposed to take such position as he did or to make so radical changes. He had been but the instrument in the hand of infinite power. Again, as he wrestled with God in prayer, peace flowed into his heart. The work is not mine, but thine own, he said. Thou wilt not suffer it to be corrupted by superstition or fanaticism, but the thought of remaining longer from the conflict in such a crisis became insupportable. He determined to return to Wittenberg. With great caution and humility, yet with decision and firmness, he entered upon his work. By the word, said he, must we overthrow and destroy what has been set up by the violence. I will not make use of force against the superstitious and unbelieving. No one must be constrained. Liberty is the very essence of faith. Liberty is the very essence of faith. He was not about purposely moving into violence, as was suggested by many of his followers. And we cannot resort to violence either, my friends. Matthew 5.11 Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And it is also written in Matthew 5.44 But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, Do good to them that hate you and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. It's a tough row to hoe, isn't it? Especially when you're speaking the truth. John Wycliffe was another reformer considered a heretic by the Romanists during the 13th century in England. Genesis 15.1 And Wycliffe used this, and it reads, Fear not, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Wycliffe, like his master Jesus, was not content to preach the gospel to just the poor, spreading the light in their humble homes in his own parish in Lutterworth, England. Nope. He wanted it carried to every part of England. Rich, poor, Whoever he wanted thou word, this simple little book right here, to go to everybody. Free men, slave and nobleman, 
As a professor of theology in Oxford, he preached in the halls of the university. So faithful was he that they named him the Gospel Doctor. But the greatest work of his life would be the translation of the scriptures into English language. He stated, I want this translation to be so that every man in England might read in the language in which he was born, the wonderful works of God. But suddenly, Wycliffe was taken ill, and the vultures began to circle. He was only 60 years of age, but the unceasing toil, the impending encroachment of his enemies ever lurking about, they took their toll on him. Hearing that Wycliffe was bedridden by a dangerous illness, the Romanists were poised. They were ready to strike. Now the enemy thought, he will surely bitterly repent the evil that he has done to the church. And they hurried to his bedchamber to bear witness to Wycliffe's last and final confession. Hmm. Representatives from the four orders, the four civil officers gathered about the dying man's bed. They said, Wycliffe, you have death on your lips. Be touched by your faults. Retract in your presence, in our presence, all that you have said to our injury. They wanted him to confess. The reformer listened in silence to their request. Then he asked his attendant to raise him up on the bed. Gazing steadily upon them with a wary eye, as they stood waiting for his recantation, Wycliffe mustered his God-given energy and said boldly in the firm, strong voice which he had so often caused them to tremble, I shall not die but live and declare the evil deeds of the friars. Upon hearing those words, the monks scurried like rats, leaving a burning ship. Wycliffe lived, and his words were fulfilled. He placed into his countryman's hands the most powerful of all weapons against Rome, the Holy Bible, the heaven appointed agent to liberate, enlighten, and evangelize the people. Through the translation of the Bible, he did more to break the chains of ignorance and vice, more to liberate and elevate his country than was ever achieved by the most brilliant victories on the field of battle. Not through violence, but simply through the word. This is how the victory is accomplished. John 1, 4 to 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of man, men. And the light shineth in the darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. Matthew 5:16 friends let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven amen
Jesus Christ died for our liberty, liberty of life. Our freedom to choose, the freedom of choice could not happen without firsthand knowledge and personal of understanding of what it is that sets men's souls free. That is what the Reformation was all about. It was the taking away of the power of the Romanists to dictate and interpret to their own advantage the apostolic message, turning it from the love of life into a life of slavery, slavery by apostasy. But we have to ask, how could this have happened? How? Rome made claim to their position of power through the bastardization of the scriptures. They used this, this against us. Matthew 16, 18, 19. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 19. And I will give unto thee the keys to the gates of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth thou shalt be loosed in heaven. Luke twenty-two thirty-two. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. John twenty-one fifteen to seventeen. So when they had dined, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him again, Feed thy lambs. He saith to him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, love, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Both St. Paul and St. Peter were martyred in Rome. Clearly, the Romanists believed that these verses told the popes that they were the custodians of the Christian church, including giving them the keys to heaven. Some of the power of the papacy was based on biblical passage, but most was derived on political, cultural realities. They wanted the power. And the book gave them that power. So they believed. There was investiture struggle endured between the emperor and the pope until Constantine in March of 313 AD. That emperor gave a separate and all-inclusive seat to the pope. In 606, Emperor Phocas was a murderous adulterer, gave the pope Boniface III the declaration that he, the bishop of Rome, was preeminent, spiritually supreme, and from that time forward the popes claimed their authority neither from the emperor nor from Rome, but from heaven above. Blasphemy. The bishop of Rome claimed not to be the chief bishop and the first of the patriarchs, but the vicar of the Most High God, and he was not to be contested. I will ascend the sides of the mount. 
I will plant my throne above the stars. I will be God. This is what they claimed. Isaiah fourteen thirteen to 15 states, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt thy throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. Again, here is a prophetic link to tell what's going to happen. But thank goodness for the reformists. Those who went back to basic Bible principles, Peter Waldo Valdez, called by a local name, the Waldensians, the poor in Christ, the poor in spirit, the brothers presenting basic Bible teaching to the masses. You know what the Waldensians did? They would write down Bible passages on pieces of paper. They would sew them into their pockets inside, okay, so that when they were frisked down by the Romanists, they wouldn't find these pieces of paper. But what they would do is they would take them out the hiding place, and they'd hand them out to this person, that person, whoever person, right? Spreading the word, planting the seeds to help free people's souls. Obedience to the Moravian church was John Huss, 1369 to 1415. He was burned at the stake for heresy against the doctrines of the Catholic church on July 6th, 1415, which included the debate of the ecclesiology, the Eucharist, claiming obedience to the Holy Communion as Christ intended. He stated that the papal office was not given by divine command, that the communion observance was in its entirety for all true believers. It was not exclusive to the papal order. So when you have communion today, John Huss gave his life so that we could do it here in peace. Certain people were only allowed to partake of the body of Christ, not receiving the holy sacrament of wine at that time. Grace. The Lutheran Church, Martin Luther, November 10th, 1483 to February 18th, 1546. He first printed the Bible into German. He led the 16th century Reformation revolt in Germany against the papacy. After posting his 95 theses, questions on indulgences and justification by faith, he was asked if he believed that the death of Jean Hus was unjust. He said that he believed that it was. Thus his answer brought about the question of the whole authority of the Pope and the Papal Council. They tried to track down and kill Martin Luther seven times, but he escaped. How about the growth of the church? Calvinists, Huguenot missionaries, John Calvin, 
July 10th, 1509 to May 27th, 1564. From Geneva, Switzerland, they spread their message of truth based strictly upon the scriptures across Europe. Psalms instead of songs were sung in the church, totally modeled after apostolic times with a strict division of church and state. A strict division of church and state. Baptism by immersion. Anabaptists, Mennonites, Menno Simons, 1496 to January 31st, 1561. He preached the rejection of infant baptism and left the priesthood to follow Christ. Menno believed in asceticism after conversion to the point as to how one views and deals with the worldly society afterward. See? It's an emergency. We got to get the message out there. It was supposed to be left in the sanctuary. And I don't know how to stop it. And that's why it's supposed to be left in the sanctuary. The bride of Christ is he. Christ, Menno Simons, considered the church as a whole, as a whole waiting for Christ's return. Holiness, the Methodist Church, John Wesley, June 28, 1704 to March 2nd, 1791. He's the founder of the Holiness Movement and believed in the Reformed doctrine of justification of faith. Wesley found his calling in open air and lay preaching to the neglected, the poor, and the most needy. Those who were rejected and would not go into an organized church body, those he chose to speak to. His revival-style preaching brought him great recognition. Even those in the Moravian church looked down on him as being peculiar because he was trying to reach the masses. Are we not a peculiar people sitting here today? That's what they call us, peculiar I kind of feel good about that because I was always a rebel. (laughs) October 16th, 1555. Two guys were burnt at the stake for heresy against the Catholic doctrine. Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley. And as this was happening and going on, Latimer said to Ridley, as they were about to be torched. He said, be, good, be of good cheer, Master Ridley, and play the man, for we shall this day light such a candle in England as I trust by God's grace shall never be put out. Hmm. Ah, uh, if I was standing there on those twigs being ready to be roasted, I don't know if I, how cheerful I could be, but... But he was right. The candle was lit. March 21st, 1556, burned at the stake in Oxford, England, Thomas Cranmar, for heresy against who? The Catholic doctrine. Then we come to Sabbath, a reestablishment of all Ten Commandments. William Miller, founder of the Millerite movement, which led to the establishment of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, 
as we know it today. Isaiah 58, 13-14 If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. John fifteen ten, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy may be full. And I'm going to close with a prayer. It's not my prayer. It's a prayer prayer given by Apostle Paul. Philippians 4.4 And I ask, Rejoice in the Lord always and again. I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, as we leave here today, we ask firstly, of course, For your mercy, Heavenly Father. We as unworthy creatures, Heavenly Father, as we travel forth, we ask that you help us to transmit your glory to all who we meet, Heavenly Father. Put it into our hearts. Put it into our minds. But, Heavenly Father, most of all, put your glory upon our lips, for we need to praise you every second of every day. Heavenly Father, help us, Lord, for we cannot stand on our own. In your Son's name, Jesus Christ, amen.